you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Ritter and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, Josh. How's it going? Mm, It's going. (laughs) You look a little different today. Yeah, my mouth is all swollen. Yeah, you look like a half chipmunk. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you look like a hamster that just decided to squish some food inside of its mouth. I know. I can't wait to get these biotics going. I know. It's really sad. I know. There's nothing on the planet worse than facial pain from teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, it's going to be hard. When are you going to get that fixed? Uh, hopefully by June. My <laughs> dentist is like, yeah, we'll get you in in June. I'm That's like, hey. ridiculous. I know what. Why you need to find a new dentist. She, she got me some antibiotics sent in. Oh. And I told her, I'm like, hey, I'm deathly allergic to penicillin. And this was yesterday. So what did she do? She called me in something with penicillin. And I go to oh my gosh. Walgreens to get it. And the guy's like, I can't give it to you. It's in your record. You'll die. I'm You're like, like, thanks for saving my life, Mr. Pharmacist. Yeah, thanks. And he's like, I'm going to call your dentist in the morning. Yeah, for And then sure. I get a call from the dentist this morning. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. We'll I think they owe stuff. you. I think they owe you an appointment after that. Come on. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. It's like 100 bucks to go see them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I had my very first cavity last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, apparently, there's this thing with cavities that I didn't really know about, and that is when you get a, once you go and get a cavity filled... <laughs> Apparently, you have to floss your teeth constantly because... You should be doing that anyway. Well, I do, but you know, like food gets stuck in your cavity filling or something, and then it, you know, Greg's like, hey, babe, I love you. Your breath smells weird. I'm like, I don't know. What? Oh, my gosh. Of course, I'm mortified. And um, so, sure enough, I go, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. I had no idea that I now have a cave in my Mm -hmm. tooth, even though they supposedly fixed it. So, that was not my favorite experience at all. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah. Well, I hope they get that fixed really soon. Yeah, So you can look back to normal Josh instead of like, I got stung in the face by a bee Josh Mm -hmm. or something else, you know. Yeah. I'm excited to get that done. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you gerbil face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hello to everybody, um, to all of our Impact Sigma listeners, and welcome back to another episode of season three. We are really looking forward to introducing our guest today, but first, I just want to share, you know, a little backstory. So I met our guest last year while I was reaching out to ask about our sponsorship opportunity for our benefit concert, Unoya. And she was such a true champion um, for us. She even went to bat for our cause with her whole team, and it was such a great experience. So that resulted in a brand new relationship with Bell Helicopter and a sponsorship for Unoya. Thank you, everybody. As well as for me, a new friend. So she is a master scheduler with Bell Helicopter, but what brings her here today is her personal journey as a foster parent. We are honored, beyond honored, to welcome Brandy Milhorn to Impact Sigma. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. Yes. All right, so one of our favorite things to do here on Impact Stigma is to get in to know our guests a little bit better and a little bit more on the personal level. So mm-hmm. we have a few special questions for you. Okay. And Jennifer's going to kick it off. I am? Yeah, you are. <laughs> this time? <laughs> Josh always goes first. Okay. So what is your favorite childhood memory? Childhood memory. So a little backstory to it, I guess, would be my grandmother carried around one of those big camcorders on her shoulder mm-hmm. everywhere we went. Oh, no. So it's actually pretty cool now. It wasn't so cool back then. But um, we're sitting there, and my youngest two brothers are actually 
kinship fostered. They were my mom's sister's kids. And mm-hmm. Gotcha. We got them at three and six months. Okay. And when Chris was around six years old, he loved everything to do with equipment, construction equipment. Well, he didn't have a lot of toys. Well, we bought a ton. Well, my dad would hand him one and then act like he, you know, hit it behind his back and it disappeared. Well, every time he'd put it behind his back, I'd grab it and throw it behind the couch. Well, my grandmother's capturing all this. And he is just mesmerized by this magic trick. (laughs) We made 30 contract equipment things just disappear. And he was just like, this is amazing. Wow, you guys are magic. Yeah. And He's so we wizard. watch these videos all the time. It's weird now, and it's but it's also really awesome because, you know, most of them aren't even around anymore. So it's, it's really cool to see. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. I, I think I need to dig out some of ours. Oh, we have it on DVD now. My uncle's really cool about doing stuff like that. Yeah. So he downloaded all of our Christmas videos and Aww. all the making fun of each other. You know, it's hilarious. That's and to awesome. see everybody's hairdo from... Way back in the days. I'm going to definitely have to petition mom and dad to dig out the LVHS <laughs> and let me take them and like get them put to digital so we yes, can watch them. Yes, that's right. Ta- Tabitha awesome. has a really embarrassing one on me. Oh, really? Yeah, because when I was seven, my papa had left the video camera downstairs and he had just recorded their like kindergarten graduation. Well, I reversed it and recorded myself singing Michael Jackson over top of it. So it goes from like their graduation, getting ready to go on stage, and then it goes straight to me singing Michael Jackson. The entertainment portion of graduation. That's awesome. How in trouble did you get? Oh, so in trouble (laughs) because they didn't have any copy of it after that. Oh, no. no. That's terrible. I know. It would have been cool if you like made it big time and that was like your first real recording. (laughs) I know. Look at Josh being a superstar. (laughs) Never mind. It didn't happen. (laughs) Not at all. all. Your turn, mister. So what is your favorite board game? Favorite board game. You got to play a lot of board games with kids. We do, and it's possibly my least favorite thing because everybody has such different personalities. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, you have the really competitive, and no matter how hard they're trying, they're not winning, so therefore their attitude changes. Oh, yeah. Actually, we just started a mystery-solving game. Uh-huh. You get this box, and it's got this file, a case file, like a forensics file. Uh-huh. And somebody has died, and you open up the first envelope, and you have to figure out this portion of what happened. And then you have this app that you put your answer into, Mm -hmm. and if you get it right, it says, okay, you got it. You can move on to the second file. And it comes with pictures of all the different, you know, possibilities of who it is and timelines and newspaper articles. My family got so into it, we took poster board and put it on the wall Mm -hmm. and taped all the headshots of everybody and the different clues and stuff. Did you connect them with yarn? Oh, no, no, but that's a great idea. Yeah. You're welcome for that. Oh, thank you. I need this, so before it, this I mean, is over with, I'll, I'll, I'll I will have to send this. it to you, but yeah, it was amazing. I didn't expect a lot from the family. I was expecting them to be like, this is too much work. Yeah. But what made it even more fun was you had to read each file where there was like interviews between, say, the cop and the suspect or whatever. And we would change our voices to mimic what we thought that person sounded like. Yeah. Good. Hilarious. That sounds like a blast. It was so much fun. And we only got through like one and a half files because it does take forever to figure out. Wow. Well, so think- it's like a onward month. You know, it's not just a one and done. Play. Right. So. I love that. We definitely need that. Yeah. Super fun. Game you can keep going back to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. All right, Brandy. So what was your favorite trip you've ever taken? I've taken a lot. Um, I was in the Navy, so I traveled quite often. But favorite trip was not in the military, actually. But it was with a Navy buddy. So 
after my divorce, it was me and our two daughters, and I am now living single and trying to just balance life, right? And so mm-hmm. just trying to figure out everything. Um, not to keep it a sob story, but, you know, I lost my parents two years and two days apart. Um, that was after losing three other relatives all within one year. So I lost a total of like five to six people in two years. And so it went from this huge family to me and our two daughters. And I'm just, I'm winging it. I'm I'm doing good. I think I am. But my Navy buddy calls me out of the blue. And he's like, how you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm doing good. And he's like, no, you sound different. And I said, okay. So I explained. And he's like, you need a vacation. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't tell you the last time I took a vacation. I was like, you're right. And he said, okay. Two months from now, you're coming to Vegas. That's where he lived. And I'm like, no, no, no. And he was like, no, my treat. And I'm like, not your treat. And he said, well, let me just remind you. I don't know if you remember this, but I had to leave the boat real quick and actually had to get out of the military due to personal reasons. And you gave me your apartment. No questions asked. You let me borrow your card. No questions asked. I just, I just gave him everything because I wasn't using it. I was deployed on a ship. Right. And I honestly didn't remember that. And he was like, you helped me in my biggest time. It's my turn to redo the favor to you. And I was like, fine. So I flew to Vegas. He showed me old school Vegas. Right. Oh, that's fun. We went to the Grand Canyons. That part was my favorite part of the trip. I sit on a rock where all you could see was Grand Canyon and me and birds. And I just sit there for an hour. He didn't bother me. And I just reflected on everything I've been through and everything I wanted to do. And decided right then and there, there was no more mourning. I was just going to move forward and do what I've been wanting to do in life. And so that was my turning point. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I can still think of that spot. It was fantastic. That's a great trip. That's a really cool story. It was really great trip. trip. Yes. For sure. Well, following that up with a banger question. Okay. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What's your least favorite food? Oh, I'm a foodie. I know. What do you hate? This is going to blow your mind for a foodie. Sushi. Really? Uh, sushi, seafood. I like shrimp and crab legs. That's the extent of my... Yeah. Okay. Now, my daughters love sushi, and so we'll go hit the half-price sushi night, and I'll go get something else, but I can't do it. I, I've tried. It's not for trying. It's not for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I like, like it, it, but not everybody likes it. I don't it. like it. Jody loves it. Well, yeah. Jody and I are going to go with yeah. Randy. No. There, yeah, you I'll, guys go I'll, out to eat and I'll you, go, I'll I'll go, go with Jody. you. I mean, I can find something <laughs> on the menu, but my daughters are like, Mom, try this. You'll like this one. And I'm, I'm over yeah. there gagging. Yeah. Oh, I can't help it. That's hilarious. As always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. So please remember, this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, former diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at FrontierHealth.org for more information. If you or someone you love has an urgent mental health need, please call 877-928-9062, and our 24-7 Frontier Health crisis team will help. If you, your child, or someone you know is in danger of suicide, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. We want to take a moment and thank Food City for sponsoring this episode of Impact Sigma, and we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
I'm here with a Food City All-Star Shopper after another stellar go-kart curbside pickup performance. Shelly, how do you do it? <laughs> well, Howard, it takes determination to ensure every customer gets groceries exactly the way they like it. Every cut of meat, every piece of produce is chosen with the customer in mind. That's what it takes to be a champion. There you have it. Order online from Food City and experience go-kart curbside pickup at the highest level. Hello everyone, like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back and thank you again, Food City. Brandy, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your role at Bell Helicopter? Sure. So like I was saying, I was in the Navy. Um, I did that for four years. I got out because, unfortunately, by the time I got back from deployment, my daughter was two. Yeah. And so she didn't know me. Mm. My grandmother gotten sick, and my mom was taking care of her. And, I, you know, she just said, I'm struggling a little bit because she was taking care of my daughter. I was deployed for 16 months between training and workups. This is post-9-11. Right. They were trying to figure out, you know, what exactly the retaliation was. And so I was on the Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, started the war of Iraqi freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. So came back, worked on my connection with her, got remarried, was married for 11 years, started working at Bell Helicopter when she was two. Now been there 18 years. Time flies. Yeah. Um, have two daughters, two biological daughters. So oldest is 20. She is a King University junior in the nursing program, captain of the cheerleading team. So super proud of her. And then... My youngest is eight. I'm sorry. My youngest is 12 biological. And then we have three other children. My husband has his biological son that's autistic, uh-huh. nine. And then we have our adopted daughter that was our foster daughter. We just adopted her on her 15th birthday. Oh, that's nice. She's Mexican. So the 15th birthday is a very huge day for oh, them. Yeah. So we celebrated her quinceanera. And her adoption all in the same day. That's so that cool. was huge. That's and awesome. then we have one 17-year-old foster daughter right now. Very nice. Well, Brandy, I was very interested, you know, in your passion for foster care and learning more about your journey after we spoke. So would you mind just share with our listeners how you became a foster parent? Absolutely. I've always wanted to at least adopt or foster a child. As I said, my two youngest brothers are kinship foster. And I just seen the impact that that had on their lives. And I just really respected my mom and dad. They already had three kids of their own, you know, right. two more. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And But also I loved having that big family. And so after having two kids, I really still wanted to have another child that we could help out. Uh, I didn't think that that was going to happen. I unfortunately had to have an emergency hysterectomy at 30. Mm -hmm. And so there went that. And so when I got divorced, I was like, there goes my dream. You know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And and so I kind of chalked it up that life moved on. Well, then I started working with youth villages with Bell Helicopter Mm -hmm. because I'm part of the charity engagement. I was in the engagement leader for Bell for three years. And when we were working with youth villages, I just asked them, I said, you know, can you be a foster parent as a single person? They were like, absolutely. I'm like, you can. And they were like, yes. And so they were like, why don't you come to one of our information sessions? And so I did. The next week I signed up, Mm -hmm. started going through the classes, and 
the week I got my license is kind of three weeks before we went on COVID lockdown. Oh, gosh. That Friday, I got a call. I didn't, you know, I was expecting, I might get a kid call in a couple months or so. Three days later, I had my first kid. That's crazy. Yeah, and then we went into COVID lockdown. So that was interesting in itself. So we're going through this new avenue of, okay, I'm a foster parent. I have a kid, and now the world's locked down. So it was a lot in one time, but, you know, I wouldn't change it. It's been an adventure so far, Mm -hmm. and I've loved teaching people about foster care. I had a lot of questions myself. I didn't know much about it. You know, people say there's stigmas around it and all this stuff. I didn't have any of that information other than the only information I had was kinship foster, meaning someone in your family needed help and you were there to help them. And that's all I had. Well, before you became a foster parent, what were some of the misconceptions about fostering and other foster parents? I didn't know much. Um, I, you know, I've heard a little bit about, oh, they do it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you, you know, if you get money, I don't know about you, but for me, that money is spent on those kids mm-hmm. 12 times over. Right. You know, I had to have one of my kids needed braces. I mean, that in itself is a lot of money and a lot of upkeep and stuff like that. So that was a big thing for me, which it's really hurtful. I mean, anybody that has a kid knows how much it costs to have a child. Yes. And in this day and age, it's gotten worse and worse. You know, like mil- you can't even afford milk and gas anymore. Oh, so that was really the only thing I had really heard about it. And that the other side is that all foster parents are mean, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, abuse the children more than they were abused before. That probably happens. It doesn't happen in my house. We're f- huge, full love, you know, is every day a sunshine and rainbows? Absolutely not. There's been a kid or two that has made me want to rethink my decision. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've been through hell and back. That's awesome that you're so honest about that. That's well, important. I mean, it's true. I mean, honestly, my first kid was my decision because he was 5'9", 200 pounds at 12 years old. And right. he outshadowed me a, a lot. And, wow. you know, he would get in my face and threaten me. And he'd be like, hit me. I'm not going to hit you. You know, and I, I they're so yeah. used to that. Yeah. And then there were so many other situations or problems that he had had. And I tried to work with him on every one of them. But he was just, he's so used to nobody helping him yeah. that he didn't understand how to accept the help and I the love. breaks for kids like and that. And it does mine too. You know, and so he's actually out of foster care. He's living with some relatives now. He's he's messaged me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing great. So That's awesome. We worked through it. We got there. <laughs> so so what would you say your biggest struggle as a foster parent has been like so far? And what advice would you share with our listeners that are actually considering foster care? I would say my struggle would be patience a little bit. I think that everybody struggles with patience. Kids in foster care, they're not a typical child, unfortunately. They've seen things that, unfortunately, nobody should ever have to see or deal with or go through. And so patience has been a a struggle at times. For instance, my second child was a 7-year-old autistic with multiple personalities, schizophrenia. I mean, the list was long. Yeah. You know, and I had never been with a child that was autistic, let alone add 10 other diagnoses to it. Wow. And so I didn't know what to expect. Also, there was sexual assault, you know, and so she was very sensitive, very sheltered. She was very scared. And so it was just me and her for, you know, I have 
every other kid weekend as well. And then my oldest is, you know, out running the, the world. So it would be me and her a lot. And we learned how to go through life together with her issues. I had to teach her how to give herself a shower because that was a struggle. She didn't want anybody to be in the restroom with her, but she also had a shower. She also had to use the restroom. And so, you know, we, we learned how to do all those things. Mm-hmm. And she really came a long way, but I had to learn a new level of patience because That's so hard. I mean, you just, know, she's seven. We should be yeah, there, yeah. but you also have to understand the situation. Yeah. And so that I would think that would be the biggest thing for the ones that are thinking about fostering. Just do it. I mean, there's respite. Respite's when you're giving the foster parents a break or maybe it's giving the kids a break from the foster parents you know people have a stigma around respite they're like why are you you know getting rid of the kids for the weekend well everybody needs a break hard and everybody has not everybody has grandparents to come exactly you know Mm -hmm. exactly and you know there's times where for instance with her we couldn't take her out in public without a scene anytime we went out in public there was a scene and that wears on your biological children too you know mom we can't go anywhere anymore we can't go out to eat because you know the fork gets thrown across the room or whatever Mm -hmm. and so there's times where you have to take a break for yourself mentally but I would say just do it and you know just put your toe in if you need to and get the information talk to other people don't go on Facebook and listen to the groups because I learned that the hard way (laughs) I thought they were there for support Mm -hmm. But it's a bashing, and I get it. There's a lot of things broke in the system, sure. but there's a lot of things broke in every system. Yeah. So go to someone that's passionate about it and let them tell you the truth, the good, bad, the ugly, and decide for yourself. Thank you. That's really good advice. And volunteer, maybe. Absolutely. Like there's the place, Youth Villages, and then yes. Frontier Health has values and traces, and there's a lot of other um, Tennessee belongs. Thank There's you. Uh, Smiles Closet and Kingsport. Exactly. Donate. Donate to Smiles. Donate. Isaiah's House. Yeah. There's so many people out there that are willing to help. If you don't want to take in a child, love on the people that are loving on the children. Yeah, exactly. So you can give back without having to step into that role. Right. There's lots of ways. So mm-hmm. we said that we've said that before here because we had values and traces the pe- leaders here. And talk to them. And I just, that's why I just kind of wanted a, a little bit different perspective. I wanted someone that's actually walking the walk and doing it and in the trenches and, and there to kind of be our guest and talk to potential foster parents out there because there are so many kids right now. The numbers increased drastically. Yeah. And it mm. seems like as we're coming out of the pandemic, it's even getting worse. Yeah. I'm not quite sure exactly why, other than maybe they're out in public now. And so you can see. I don't know. I think it may be more like it wasn't talked about. So people were so isolated and they, you know, they were, they were self absolutely you know, trying to keep to themselves. I just kind of forgot that that was something out there that, that needed, that kids still needed help. Mm-hmm. So getting it back in, in the public eye and talking about it again, it's not the thing that has the spotlight on it right now, you know? Right. So we got to throw that spotlight back on it again. So I would love to know if you wouldn't mind if you could share with our listeners, what is it like to love a child and care for a child as a foster parent? It's almost indescribable. Let me just give a little story. So my daughter that we adopted has never been anywhere. She's from Nashville. She's only been in Nashville. We got to take her to the beach. I recorded her walking up the stairs 
you know, you have to go through that little mm-hmm. wooden platform and then you hit the sand. She turned around and was crying and she said, it's so pretty. <laughs> and those first, all those first, there's so many firsts that they haven't got to experience that whew, I love it. And we love traveling anyway. We love first experiences. And so that's been awesome. Like I said, not every day is that awesome. There's a lot of days where you struggle and you question and you you beg for guidance and, you know, but you also get to teach them things that maybe come second nature to you or even your children because you've taught them. Some kids don't know how to pick out their own clothes or wash their own clothes. Everybody goes crazy because I say everybody in my house washes their own clothes, even the nine-year-old. And they're like, what? <laughs> Why don't you let them be a kid? They are a kid all the time, but they have responsibilities. Yeah. And it also helps the fact that we have seven people in our house that we're not standing around this massive pile of laundry going, is this yours? Is this yours? But they also appreciate it. You know, they're like, thank you. I didn't know how to do that. Or their friends come over and go, you do your own laundry? I don't even know how to work that machine. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I cook dinner. You know, I get to help with this. My husband does uh, go-karts. He, he races go-karts on the side, and they get to help him with that. And, you know, they're always like, that is so cool. <laughs> I get to learn about things that I would have never learned before. And it's right. just it's fun to watch them grow. Our daughter was a feisty Nashville girl that's been through 10 different school systems and she had no structure and now to hear her teachers and the way they talk about her now like in one year the turnaround and I'm not saying this to like blow my own self-esteem up it's right. she has came she has wanted it she has came so far because she's seen the potential of what she could be she's seen the praise that she gets from it mm-hmm. and so you'll see the more that you love on a child the more they want to keep doing those good things, to keep getting that love, because all they've seen is what they can do to get the hate. Right. And so it's... How do you handle when you have to let them go? So the seven-year-old, she was actually gearing to turn eight when we... um, She moved on. She moved on to her forever home. We weren't ready to um, adopt at that point. Mm -hmm. That is a long-term commitment with her disabilities. And... I'm not getting younger. And, you know, we decided as a family, which we sit down and have a discussion about every child that comes in our home before they come, as they're there, you know, it's a team effort. If if my kids don't sign up, then we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their life too. But we all decided as a family that, you know, we weren't the home that she needed. She needed one-on-one time with somebody else, maybe even a stay-at-home parent, and neither one of us are. And she's actually at her forever home with a distant relative of my husband's. And so we don't visit because of her mental state. We don't know if that would help or hurt anything. So we don't visit, but it hurts, but it also helps to know that they're somewhere where they're getting loved on just as well. Right. If not more, mm-hmm. they're no longer going to be in the system. You know, a lot of our kids have moved on to other family members, kinship foster from us. Some have had to unfortunately go to residential, but that was for their benefit. I think that they would do better in a very structured, I mean, no matter how much you try to structure your home, a residential is about as structured as you get. You literally wake up at a certain time, you get your meds at a certain time. There is no deviance off of that. Right. So 
And some kids need that, and they thrive once they get there. Residential isn't this terribly doomed building. You know, these kids are having fun. It's like summer camp every day, you know, and they have all kinds of people to love on them, not just one or two. So, What would you consider your biggest success as a foster parent? I think the adoption would definitely be a huge thing, and the other one would be having my husband become a foster parent. So... Mm. He wasn't in fostering when I met him. The way I met him was he was working with the Boys and Girls Club where my daughter was going at the time. And when I got my autistic foster daughter, I found out that he had an autistic son. And so I reached out to him for some information, just anything to help me. I'm grasping at straws at this point. And he was like, I can't really give you anything. He was like, they're all different, Mm -hmm. you know, every one of them, different parts of the spectrum. And we kind of just hit it off from there. And he ended up going through the classes and becoming a foster parent himself so that he could help me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we're partnered for life doing this together. And I've gotten so much out of fostering. We've helped in the two years we've been doing it, 14 kids already. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's including respites, you know, which is, I feel like is a huge thing. You know, there's some people that don't ask for respite. And there's some that only ask for respite when they really need it. So we try to help every time we can because we have kid weekend and we call it non-kid weekend. So non-kid weekend, we only have three kids versus five. (laughs) So it feels like a little bit of a break, but it's, you know, it's still not, but it's still enjoyable. But yeah, we've learned so much from fostering. We've also had some of the, you know, the bad of it too. Like I said, the system's a little broken. Mm -hmm. We had 10 different DCS workers in six months for one child. Wow. Out of Davidson County. That was, I mean, that hit the news. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but Davidson County hit the news for most turnover. You know, it's a hard job. It is. I I couldn't imagine. imagine. I mean, you know, I think fostering can be a hard job, but I could not imagine having to deal with, I don't know, I don't know how many case load they have, maybe 20 to 30 kids at times. And they're backed up from COVID. Yeah. I mean, just how exhausted, and they don't get paid enough at all. uh, No. Not at all. And it's unfortunate because they're loving on these kids, too, and they're not getting respected enough, you know, and they try. But, I mean, they're asked to do all kinds of things every hour of the day. So It's really tough. It is tough. Okay, one last question. Okay. If you could step into our shoes on this podcast, what would you have asked yourself that we didn't? I don't know. Y'all did a great job. Well, thanks. I don't think it's something you didn't ask, but I just want to emphasize that, you know, we need foster parents. Yes, we do. We need people to love on foster parents. Um, Yes, we do. In a perfect world, everybody has support. For instance, in our situation, I don't have any parents. I don't have any grandparents. You know, my husband, he has parents, but they're also busy. They were all of his side of the family is actually foster parents. So they have their own set of kids. It's not like that we could just throw ours on them. And so, you know, the support system, it takes a village You know, and they say when you sign up, make sure you have a support system. Well, of course, we all try to have a support system, but that changes too, right? One friend today might not be your friend tomorrow, especially when you start collecting a bunch of Mm -hmm. kids. You'll be surprised as to how many friends you actually have at the end of the day. Mm, That's true. Mm. You know, it's not for everybody, and I get it. You know, it's a hard job, and you just need to make sure that you have a support system. If not, start reaching for one. You know, don't, don't be worried to ask for help. Yes, definitely ask for help. That's really important. And take care of yourself. They tell you that a lot. 
Yeah, self-care. Self-care is huge. I think that's the weirdest word because everybody, it I is. hear self-care and I think, I don't have money to go to a spa. I'm like, you don't have to go to a spa. No. Nope. Go for a walk. Ten minutes on a, reading a book or, yeah. you know, close your eyes in a dark room yeah. for a few minutes and just breathe. That's me. I'm like, I have to go to the bedroom mm-hmm. and close the door now. Yep. I'll be out in about 15 minutes. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, mine, if I need a minute yep. and everybody steps away. Thank you so much for your time today, Brandy. We really enjoyed this conversation and so glad you could join us today. For our listeners, thank you for continuing to tune in. This podcast is actually a piece of the Frontier Health Foundation's Impact Stigma movement. The movement is about raising public awareness and financially supporting important mental health programs and services from Frontier Health. We now have a growing community of givers we call impact makers. They give monthly because it's an easy way for them to afford to give back, and they know those gifts directly support vital Frontier Health programs and services. The best part of being an impact maker, besides how giving makes us feel, is all the special perks we share with our impact makers. But you have to become an impact maker to find out all the details. So just go to our website at FrontierHealthFoundation.org, find the Impact Sigma Movement tab, and look for Become an Impact Maker. You can sign up there to become a new monthly donor. I personally give $20 a month. If you want to give five a month or a hundred a month or 20 a month, whatever it is, either way, that is fantastic and we are thrilled and so grateful. Our Impact Maker Monthly community was designed to allow anyone to make an impact. And be sure to subscribe to our show. It's free. Yep. It doesn't cost nothing. No. We're on every single one of the big things. Absolutely. You know, Apple, <laughs> all that. Spotify. Spotify. Amazon Music. That's it. We're there. Yep. Give us a review, too. Because the bigger the base, the bigger the impact. That's right. It's that simple. Thank you, guys. And remember to go make an impact.